The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC. Follow him on Twitter. That's at BOC all day. Also joining us, um, our, our recruiting expert here, Rich Corin from 24-7 Sports. Um, today is Friday, September 23rd. And a big uh, week this week for PC for recruiting. Two guys that we've been covering on the show uh, had announcements Providence didn't luck out with both of them, but they did end up landing Drew Fielder on uh, Monday night after losing out to to uh, Louisville for Curtis Williams. But hey, I'm happy. I don't know about you guys. Fielder's such a great ad. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly excited. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about the front court and how. Uh... They needed numbers in the front court and Fielder is the first piece to a puzzle and a big piece at that. Um, we've talked a lot about how Horkler kind of unlocked the offense last year and uh, helped open up the lanes for the guards and gave one-on-one opportunities for Watson. I see Fielder as almost like a carbon copy and with a lot more room for uh, growth. So I'm really excited about the commitment and it's nice. It also solidifies, in my opinion, the commitment of Garway Duall, who, you know, somebody who's playing Southern California not really from around the New England area. There's always that lingering concern, at least for me as a paranoid Friar fan. Um, but that certainly helps. So all in all, I'm really excited. Rich, what about yourself? I think it's a huge commitment. I think Drew Fielder is a 6'10", 215-pound stretch four. Um, he runs the floor well. He's got a high motor, very physical. Um, he just has that winner mentality and that grit about him where he's willing to play tough um, and he can step out and shoot. He cleans up around the boards. Um, he just is, the, he's a leader. You know, he's a guy who, like you said, he really kind of solidifies the front court. They needed help in the front court. Um, you know, Curtis Williams is a loss. You can't downplay that. He's a six, 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 seven kid who would have also filled a need for Providence on the wing. Um, but you know, I, I think I think Fielder is a more important recruit, uh, and and you got to be thrilled with uh, with uh, Duell and uh, and Fielder at this point. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Rich, in terms of importance. Whereas, yes, Curtis Williams ranked higher than Drew Fielder on twenty four seven Sports' uh, um, rankings, but. Um, when you, it kind of feels like you can kind of find another wing that, that fits that prototype, right? 
it feels like that's a lot more common uh, to get a big man that can stretch the floor, uh, play in the perimeter. And, and not only that, I mean, I think he's really developed a, a pretty solid post game as well. So um, I, I feel like that skill set is a little bit harder to find in the high school recruiting rankings. Yeah. I think, I think another thing that I saw was he could create off the dribble, which is really interesting. Like we, I love Horkler, but if you contain him from deep, he kind of had trouble creating off the dribble. Um, so to see this guy able to do that already in high school is fantastic. And it's always nice to get a win uh, over some, you know, quote unquote blue gloves with Syracuse and some others and USC who's kind of a West coast powerhouse. So it's a big win, and uh, Cooley and staff should be thrilled. Yeah, Fielder can put the ball on the floor. I mean, he's a kid who had a late growth spurt, so he's got some guard skills that he developed when he was younger. Um, Horkler did have trouble creating uh, one-on-one offense, um, whereas I think Fielder uh, is a lot more confident in that. And I think – and look, he's a guy who is just exploding, right? I mean, he was out for six months – with a back injury, he came back and it was, it was like a, it was like a new player um, in the early summer and really uh, in every competition that he's been in since then, he's been one of the dominating and dominant players in those competitions against high level big men. Uh, He went up against JP Estrella um, and put up 18 and 10 and held Estrella to 11 and 10 and his team beat Estrella's team. Now, we've seen other situations where, you know, like a Ron play outplayed somebody big, uh, and it didn't translate. But this is a whole different ball game. This kid can play, and he's only getting better. I, I, I remember remember the Ron Gipley. Who did he outplay? He played Sollinger, right? Garrett yeah, Sollinger. Sollinger. Yes. Yeah. And we were like, okay, this guy's going to come in. He's going to average like 10 and 15. And just nothing ever came to fruition. That's a nope. good. That's a good throwback there. It, it, he ended up uh, finishing his career out with with uh, East Tennessee State, I believe, right? Right. right. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and another thing that I saw that you know I feel like Horkler is a, a common comparison people are throwing out because of Noah's ability to uh, light it up from three. Um, especially late in the season last year. Um, but you talk about being able to h- handle the ball. T- what about passing the ball? I mean, I- I've seen some highlights of this kid making some good passes in the fast break, half court, doesn't matter. Um, so, and, and then another thing would be, I, I listened to, he actually did an interview with uh, Brennan McGare of the, uh, of the call there, the Pawtucket call and. um, he sounds like a kid that's that's gonna work. Uh, he's gonna bring his lunch pail uh, every single day and grind. Um, so that's that. Those are things you love to hear. Yeah, are you just, are you, are you just throwing out every cliche for a, for a white kid? <laughs> no, no, come on. But, uh, I, I listened. I listened to, to to his interview, and that's what he was talking about. He said nobody's gonna uh, outwork him, and he's gonna come in and just work hard every day. So like, I'm buying it. Yeah, one of the things that, uh, that's been said about Fielder is that he's extremely coachable. Um, the coaches love him. And I think we're going to hear that, um, in a little bit. And the other thing is the coach refers to him as a dog. 
which is which is a guy who really gets at it, is tough, physical, you know, really, really, uh, really goes after it on the on the basketball court. And so I think that all plays into that nobody's gonna outwork me kind of guy. Um and Fielder is I think Providence fans are gonna be really happy with him. Uh he's got that inside outside game that is um really tough to find. Uh, but he really does play strong on the boards as well as step out and hit threes. I see him as being a Noah Horkler, Horkler type three point shooter um, in terms of the volume of threes that he takes as his career develops. So, and also one thing, one thing to note is two four twenty four seven didn't update the team recruiting rankings yet. But landing this kid, if you if you do an analysis. Um, they should be falling into like the 18 or 19 spot nationally. And, you know, we, we talk about how it's just great to land quality recruits, but the perception is really big when you can say you have a top 20 nationally ranked recruiting class, which is what they'll come out to. Um, so that's a really big thing. And it's going to attract other talent because good players want to play with other good players. And it's just a really good development for us. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about that. You just look at um, uh, the, the high school that he plays at, Southern Cal Academy. I mean, it, it, Fielder, DeWall, and, um, and Isaiah Miranda, Douglas Isaiah Miranda are all there. So, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, and, you know, it, I think it, it fits. Who knows where to go next? Obviously, you would think they were targeting another big man, but, like, to me – just these two guys, I feel like, are going to be guys that that are, you know, program changers in, in a way. And, um, you know, I'm satisfied with this class as is, you know. I honestly don't need anyone else, especially when you consider what the work that Cooley does in the transfer portal. Um, you know, I, I'd be fine if it ended up being these two. But, um, Rich, do you think PC is looking to add someone else, though, in 23? Oh yeah, I need more. <laughs> I I need more. Uh, you know, Michael Duoco, he's he's still out there. He's a kid from North Carolina. He's, he's a true five, a true post player, 6'10, 245. Um, he came from North Carolina. He's now also out in California playing. Um, and he visited obviously when Curtis Williams was here. He's still taking some other visits. It's gonna be a tough pull, but I'd love to land him. Um, I think it's important also to take a look at where these kids are coming from. You know, Providence is recruiting out of its outside of its typical geographical area. You know, Nuoco, North Carolina, now in California. Dual, originally from Houston, played in, in Indianapolis, now in California. Drew Fielder, Idaho, first guy ever to come to PC from Idaho uh, in the history of PC basketball, now in California. They are expanding their recruiting base, which is really exciting to see. Um, and I think that also speaks to how Providence is now perceived and how Ed Cooley is perceived and, and welcomed in other parts of the country. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, it just really points to the Sweet 16 one, right? You get that national recognition um, and, and, Cooley wins Nate Smith coach of the year. And those are all things you can sell um, and, and, Mike, and, and reach a wider audience for sure. Mike, and you know what I've been saying, we need to stop recruiting the Northeast. We need to expand our recruiting blueprint there. <laughs> if BOC had his way, he, the, 
the Friars were just uh, recruit New Jersey and only New Jersey. <laughs> and we'll have a team full of guys from Jersey, and he'd be happy as planned. A lot of great players in New Jersey. You know, we also should point out that they lost uh, Williams, also uh, Yusef Sangari, seven foot one ninety center um, uh, out of uh, Old Savior Lutheran in New York. Went to UConn uh, this week. He was someone Providence was looking at. He did an unofficial to Providence in June. He had an official visit set up this Saturday in two days um, and canceled that coming out of the UConn visit. So they would have. They would have liked to, he would have been a defensive rim protector kind of guy, very raw offensively. So they are still looking at other guys. They're trying to get Brady Dunlap in for a visit. He'd be a three, four, more of a three, I think. Um, Another California kid. So uh, they are still in the market to add some more help. uh, Rich, do you know if if the Nwoko visit? You know, were there positive reports on that or? Very. Um, supposedly, I mean, coming out of those visits with Williams and Nuoco, um, the staff felt that they were right there for both of them. And I really believe that even though Williams had all these other finalists, I think it, it came down to Louisville over Providence. And I think that they'll be there for Nuoco. He's a kid who uh, Georgia Tech might be leading for him right now. He is very uh, adamant and concerned about his academics. And while Providence is certainly no slouch as an academic school, um, the other schools he's looking at, like Georgia Tech, depending on his major, um, that could be a tipping factor for him as far as where he decides to go. Yeah, I mean, I've watched tape on him, and um, the the kid is a menace in the paint, uh, that's for sure. And – but – I kind of just get the sense, just based on the other competition, I kind of got the sense. And again, I'm just pure tea leaf reader. That's all I got. But um, I I, I kind of felt like we're kind of on the outside looking in on this race. But, I mean, if you're saying the, the, the visit went well, I mean, it's all you can ask for, right? I think, I think uh, Jeff Battle <clears throat> has been in on him as long, if not longer than pretty much anybody else at this, who's left in the running at the stage of the recruitment. So I think Providence, Jeff uh, Battle and Ed Cooley, I think they've built a pretty good relationship with Nwoko. It really is going to depend on what he's looking for academically and what is the best fit for him. Uh, but he certainly would be a perfect Ed Croswell type replacement as far as a low post guy to team up with a fielder in, the, in, a, in a Castro in the front court. And also, like if you're a five man, you have to be salivating at the prospects of coming to Providence. There, you can walk in the door and you're going to be getting 15, 20 minutes as a freshman. Even if, even if they do add like a, a college transfer big man, which I think they will, like Croswell's gone, Moore is gone. Um, the only hurdle is Rafael Castro and a freshman fielder so it's like it's wide open which I'm which is why I'm surprised there's not more prospects banging down the door to become a friar well you know I I just think on top of the fact that you just don't know with the recruiting uh with the transfer portal whether or not that those minutes will definitely be there I mean it looks like they are on paper right now but 
but who knows come, you know, once the season ends, um, you know, who's available in the portal and, and who PC would pursue. And another thing, you know, John Rothstein said that, that Castro was a surprise. And I mean, we've talked about this on the program that, that he's viewed as a project, but I think he's a guy that down, maybe not this year, but, but certainly next year will be given, be put in a position to have a pretty big role with the team, I would think. He's yeah. a New Jersey, he's a New Jersey kid, so he's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, but yeah, he, he, um, he, I think he surprised Rothstein uh, with his probably with his rebounding and his shot blocking ability. Don't forget, he was banging up against Nate Watson and Ed Croswell for this whole redshirt year. So he isn't going to come in unready to play. Um, I think uh, I think he's going to be a little raw offensively, but I think he's going to make an impact and be a player they that they can use uh, defensively. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I'm glad we kind of steered the conversation because you brought up Singare, and I, I didn't want to go on my Fab Five rant here, Rich. <laughs> but, but you might be tempting me because, you know, Singare uh, chooses UConn over Providence Seton Hall, and now UConn fans think they got a Fab Five. But, I mean, last I checked, uh, the Fab Five, the original Fab Five, five guys in the top 25, including three guys that were in the top five. So, UConn's class, very good. And Rich, you and I were talking on this before we started recording. No doubt monster class in a big win for Hurley. But I think Fat Five's a, a pretty big stretch. Also, also really quick, like UConn didn't – Joey, what section are you guys in at the dunk or at the amp now, uh, uh, Mike? Yeah, we're at 234. So Joey from section 234, he made a great point to us in our chat. Michigan originated the Fat Five. Like why is a school mimicking that? Like – if if Michigan brought in another five man recruiting class like this, like I would understand it, but I don't know. Imitation is a sincerest form of flattery, I guess. It's just very strange, and you know, three of the five will be transferring out after this upcoming year anyway. When they after their first year enrolled. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because um, you know you talk about Michigan originating the Fab Five, which they did. Other schools, and I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of them, but I know I've heard other schools refer to their, their classes over the last 20 years as Fab Fives also. Uh, none of them have ever lived up to what Michigan did, and none of them have ever really been as good as Michigan's. Um, it's a look, look, it's a great marketing tool for UConn, you know, to say, hey, we got five, you know, good freshmen here. Let's call them the Fab Five. It, it sells tickets. It amps up the the fan base um, ultimately it comes down to can Hurley coach them uh, that's sort of up in the air. And like you said, who is around after this year? Also, like I, I, I get the, you know, them recreating the photo, you know, young kids, fun thing to do. I get yep. it. But I mean, you're kind of asking to put a target right on your back to, to, to live up to the fat five. And I mean, Listen, if they do it, all the power to them. But uh, I think this could just blow up in their face. But Well, the other point, too, to think about is the Fab Five came in at Michigan, and all five of them started right away right. as freshmen. Right. These guys for UConn, they're not all starting next year. You know, there's returning players who are going to be in front of them. Most of these guys are coming off the bench. Some of them may not play major minutes, like Sigari, probably. Um, he's got... 
He's got Sonogo, he's got Klingon, he's got other guys in front of him at that position. So to call them the Fab Five and really think they're the Fab Five, I don't think so. Yeah. But um, so, Rich, you kind of buried the lead here early, but, um, but by saying we'll find out more about this later. But yeah, we do have a guest tonight on the Province Crier podcast. We have Julius uh, Van uh, Hanslick, the head coach of Southern California Basketball Academy. Um, and, and he'll be on with us to, to talk about Fielder, to talk about Dual, and uh, talk about his program. So let's, um, let's take a quick break here. We'll hear from, uh, a word from our sponsors here at Anchor, and we'll be back with uh, Julius Van uh, Hanslick. We have with us as a special guest uh, the head coach of Southern California Academy, uh, Julius Von Hanslick. Uh, coach, thanks for taking the time to uh, join us. Uh, really appreciate you uh, being on with us. Um, question for you to start. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and also how long you've been with Southern Cal and a little bit about Southern Cal uh, Academy? Because I know you guys have been just churning out high-level D1 players uh, for the last few years. Yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me, man. So me and my partner started this in the season of 2020, 2021, which was during the uh, Corona year. So that was kind of like our first year. Um, we had some dudes go Division One. I, I think like six or seven dudes. Um, last year, which was the 21-22 season, that was like our real official year. Mm. And the entire program we sent, 17 guys division one in the 22 class um this year which is you can say year two but if you count the corona year year three um we're gonna have i think somewhere close to 20 division one guys in the 23 class so we're trying to continue to build this thing up and and get guys like fielder and garway um you know that have the talent level and meet our culture and that's going to kind of just continue to drive our program Awesome. Uh, Coach Mike Sorrett here. Um, th- thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. You guys just got out of practice, right? Yep. Uh, How'd it go? How'd it go today? Big time. Big All time, right. man. Our guys, it's, it's a war every day. So, I mean, the, awesome. fact that, the fact that you guys are churning, churning out the D1 prospects left and right, man, those practice sessions got to be harder than the games you guys are playing. Yeah, no, it's, it's big time. You know, um, and that's part of the biggest reason of why guys come to us, right? Like, obviously, there's other good coaches that do a good job, but they may not have the resources or the rules or the platform that allow them to recruit at a high level like we are, like we're able to. Um, So the practices are just unreal. You know, I mean, we have – we could have, you know, 15 high major dudes on on the court together. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's big time. Yeah, and uh, two of those guys, uh, Drew Fielder and Garway Duall, um, committed to Providence for, for next season. And um, just tell us a little bit about those two guys as players and people. Uh, man, first, man. So, Drew, this is year two with him for us. Um, he's like everything we stand for as far as, like, our culture goes. When you talk about his character um, – the way he embraces coaching, his leadership, all of those things. Like, guys, a lot of coaches throw those words around loosely. 
with the, when they describe their guys, like his stuff is real. You know what I'm saying? Like it's easy to lead when things are going your way. Um, it's easy to, you know, cheer teammates on when you're doing well, you know, but the thing is his deal is not fake. Like he's literally a gorilla. Like he brings it every day. He, he's, he's, he, he vocal, he's vocal. Um, his motor is always on regardless if he's making shots like last year, you know, he had games where he didn't play a ton. You know, we had a high, high level roster and guys that were, I mean, high level dudes that were older. Right. And he was still a leader for us. And to me, that's what I mean by it's not fake. Like most guys, if they're not playing, they're not going to talk. They're not going to be vocal. They're not going to play hard. Like his deal is real. He's going to do whatever it takes to get better. He's going to do whatever it takes to help his team win. Rather that be being on the, on the, on the sideline, cheering his guys on, rather that be giving a guy advice, whatever that is, you know, on top of him being a high level dude, he's a dude that's just hard to keep off the court. You know what I'm saying? Because he's a leader and because of his talent level. Um, He's super interchangeable. He can play inside out, super versatile. He could play in any conference in America and have a chance because He's not one-dimensional when it comes to his skill set. He can pass dribble, shoot at 6'11", but he's super physical and super confident. Like, he'll bang against anybody. Like, he's chippy. He'll, he'll say his things that he needs to say to his opponents. Like, mm-hmm. he just plays with an edge, man, and he plays the game with a ton of respect. And he's a, 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 a dream when you talk about guys that, that a coach would want to coach. You know, um, now when you talk about Garway, Similar to Drew, um, super versatile for his size. Um, Garway has a real chance, like Drew, of being an NBA guy, right? Garway can pass dribble shoot at 6'5". He can play one through three. His natural position is a point guard, but he can play one through three. And I think he's the best on-ball defender in the country. Wow. Complete terrorist on defense. You know, deflection, steals, causing havoc. The offense is never comfortable. He rebounds the ball like a big, you know, he, he loves to get his nose dirty. Um, another dude that's just a winner, man. And, you know, he meets our culture as far as character, spirit, um, how he embraces coaching. It's a great teammate. Like I can go on all day about these guys as players and people, you know, and, and our deal is unique. Like we don't just recruit everybody. We don't just take everybody. If you don't meet our culture, if you don't have humility, you don't have maturity like our place is a tough spot to be at so those guys embrace that not only do they embrace it they're about it they believe in it they don't just do it because they have to do it like that's who they are as people coach you know, so. coach um we've you know we've heard all the attributes that uh garway and drew possess in terms of their skills and everything as a coach can you talk a little bit about what areas you think each of them might need to work on and improve uh, coming into a, you know, a high D one level? Yeah. I mean, so I train a ton of NBA guys, right? I train high school guys, train young kids, whatever. Like the biggest thing for me, for all players continuing to maximize your potential when it comes to pass dribble shoot. So like we do 20 minutes of passing every day. I do that with NBA guys. With, let's say Terrence Mann and Bruce Brown, who's from kind of that area. 
and I do it with Drew Fielder and Garway Duall. It's it's the same. So I think just continuing to sharpen their skill set, even though they do have high skill sets at this stage, but it's continue to get better at that. Um, but also continue to work on their body, right? I think their skill set is going to be on another level and be showcased at another level as they get bigger and stronger and more athletic, you know, and that's going to come from time in the weight room. That's going to come from time, you know, treating their body and and resting when they need to rest and stretching and things like that. And that's going to come from just getting older. Right. So I think that's, those boxes need to continue to get checked. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so some of the things you talk about it to me just kind of screams at Cooley in, in the program that he runs at Providence. We talk about culture, when you talk about versatility uh, and, and having a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, how would you describe the, the, the recruitment of, of each uh, Garway and Drew to Providence? Um, man, so Garway was a prospect. It's crazy. Both of them were very similar, right? So Garway was his he was just trending right going higher and higher like raising in the rankings you know more and more coaches were you know wanting to recruit him and stuff like that he continued to blow up guys wanted to bring him on visits he went on campus with Cooley and it was a wrap from there that was home and it's same with Drew like I did a a couple interviews um you know in the last week and since he's committed and it was like dude there was so many coaches that did really good jobs man like I felt really bad because there were schools who did I mean phenomenal jobs but that speaks volumes to Cooley right like same thing Drew went on a visit he had some big time visits lined up schools that did a good job and he went there and by the second day he was like coach this is where I want to be like this is home for me like I he just bonded with Cooley and just like I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? So I think just the, the, the city, the, the campus, you know, the institute itself on top of the basketball and Cooley and all that, it just felt like home for both of those guys. So it was ve- very similar recruiting process for both. They really didn't – they went through the recruiting process, but they didn't really take that final lap of visits and in-home visits and this, like – they went there and they were like, okay, this is it. I know this, you know. Yeah, I mean, so – I feel like, you know, as PC fans, we're, we're pretty used to coolly going after guys and then they explode uh, on the recruiting scene and then, you know, they end up going somewhere else. But um, do, do you think Providence's, you know, trajectory as a program, what they did in the NCAA tournament last year, Cooley winning uh, Naismith Coach of the Year, do you think that stuff plays into it as well? Where, where yeah. you guys felt immediately they, they wanted to be a part of that? For sure. I mean, first, like, right, you hear all the legendary stories and good things of Cooley, right, from, you know, like the guys I mentioned that were that are trained NBA guys that are from that area. And, you know, you just hear, like, college coaches respect him, right? Um, but I think them winning and being a program that's continued to trend upwards um, definitely helped, right? Because, like, our guys, like, especially being at our spot, they know what culture should look like. They know what a winning program looks like. They know what the ingredients are to winning. So that was a huge piece, right? And Cooley's about those things, right? He's super respected. 
you know, in the league and around basketball period at all levels, you know, so the winning and all of that. And last year definitely played a part in, you know what I'm saying? But I think really, I think regardless of the, the big time success they had last year, I think this would have been a, a spot they would have you know, definitely considered at a high level. So with um, with a guy like Duell, who kind of blew up and then committed fairly quickly uh, when he committed to Providence, at that point, do other schools completely back off? Do they keep calling, you know, because obviously he hasn't signed anything yet, without being specific or naming any names? I mean, do schools keep coming at these guys, or or do they know that they're like, you know, solid? You know, it's funny you say that. You know, guys will, of course, make little, you know, comments like, hey, this this kid's committed there, right? <laughs> no, he's committed. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, the kids are very, well, we, we protect our guys. We try to honor, you know, what they've committed to. You know what I'm saying? And then I think people know that, so they may make a little comment like that. And then our guys, they don't really entertain it. You know what I'm saying? Like, did, Gar, did, did Garway uh, help at all with the recruitment of Drew? I think definitely, like, it's crazy because this is the funniest thing. So, obviously, like, they messed in practice and all that, but they played in this of uh, this Pangos event in yeah. L.A. for the Festival Four. It's like a ton of four- and five-star dudes. Yeah. And they were by far the best performers on the weekend, right? The numbers spoke for itself, and they won the whole thing. This was before Drew was committed. And they were just, I mean, even throwing lobs, inside out threes, like, and I think that kind of even triggered it more like, wow, like, not only do we have this connection in practice, like, we're going up against four and five star dudes, you know, with other guys, and we're just meshing like this. And like, they won the whole thing. They had the best numbers by far out of any prospect that was there. So definitely, I think Garway played a part in it. You know what I'm saying? So. Awesome. So uh, another guy on your team, Isaiah Miranda from uh, Rhode Island. Um, so uh, how is he doing and what's his recruiting look like? Um, man, he's uh man, completely embraced the culture. Um, completely embraced just the work that it takes to have success here. Um, he's doing a great job, right? Like he's really good friends with those guys, um, but he's doing a good job, man. He's doing, you know, three, four, five hours a day, you know, um, just a structured environment, the intensity level, the attention to detail, all of those things are helping him, you know, get closer and closer to a reality of his, right, which is the NBA. That's a real thing that can happen, right, with his measurements, his athleticism, his ability to step out and hit threes, his ability to switch one through five. So he's adjusted quickly. And he's doing a great job, man. Our guys love him. Our whole coaching staff loves him. Um, he's man. He's like a good locker room guy. Like good spirit. He he, he raises the mood. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a funny dude to be around. So our guys love him, man. He's doing a, a really good job. We love coaching him. Um, when you talk about his recruiting, I mean, you know, everybody you can think of has been in our gym and you know, drooling over the things he can do, right? Like he may throw, block a shot off the backboard, sprint, catch a lob, his head's at the rim, then 
pick and pop and hit a three. Like, just yeah. crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know, uh, you know, he's taking some visits as a junior. He's taking a, a visit as a senior. Um, so, he's got some more lined up. So, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, you know. Coach, you, yeah, talk, sure. you talk a lot about the culture um, and, and, you know, not everybody is for you, you know, necessarily fits with your program. Can you talk a little bit about how, so Duell was a Houston kid, went to Indianapolis, ended up with you, Drew's from Idaho. Talk a little bit about how those two guys ended up at Southern California Academy. Um, Duell, man, I just identified as a guy that I thought had a chance to be a pro. Um, built a relationship with him by phone, watched him play live several times. He fit the culture. Um, we clicked right away. Um, and that was kind of how that happened. Fielder was another guy I identified, but my buddy trains him in Idaho. And that told me about him. I watched him. I identified him as a guy that would be great for us. And, and that's how that happened. Same thing. We just clicked right away. I heard uh, Drew on an interview um, say that that his buddy referred, you know, t- told you about him. And at first you're like, I know, like, no way <laughs> this kid could be good. Then you saw him and we're pretty yeah. impressed. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's funny because I know, like, it's very rare that there's a kid that's high level that I don't know, right? Because I'm involved with young guys all the way up. Right, like I had a ton, I had Josh Christopher at ten, Jaden Springer, Jalen Suggs. I had a ton of young guys when they were young, right? Um, so I pretty much know majority of the top guys. And when guys pop up, you know, and he would tell me about them. I'm like, bro, I know all the kids, like, you know. And his work is Paul's work is elite, right? As a trainer, and Drew got taller. He bought into Paul's philosophies, um, and just kept getting better and better. And then when I seen him, I said, bro, I got to have this dude, man. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. You know, and no one was really hip to him because he's in Idaho, right? I don't even, to be honest, Idaho, Idaho State, Boise State, those schools were not recruiting him while he was in state. Wow. That's That's crazy. That's a mess. Yeah, that's a mess. Right? (laughs) He comes to our deal, gets better, blows up, and then it was a wrap from there. We just piggybacked off what his parents instilled in him, what Paul did with him. And it was a wrap from there. Hey, so you're, you've gotten to know Ed a little bit uh, with, with this, the recruitment of these two guys. Can you, um, can you tell us a little bit about your impressions of Ed Cooley? Uh, I know, I believe he, there was a previous player who went to TCU uh, that he, uh, one of your players that Ed was involved with. So these are not the first two guys um, so maybe talk a little bit about that uh, as, as far as uh, Ed Cooley goes. Yeah, so first, when he was at Boston College, he recruited Sean Marshall, who I know, yep. and Smith, who I know, right? Um, so he had ties in L.A., just as far as, like, he's had success here recruiting. Um, and then P.J. Fuller was one of my kids. He's a Seattle kid. We put him at a school called Finlay, which shut down for his senior year. And Cooley recruited him. I wasn't super involved in that specific process. So I didn't get to know him like I do now. 
Um, so he ended up at TCU. Uh, but it's funny because his mom till this day speaks super highly of Cooley, right? She always like, there were two like Florida State, so like Coach Leonard Hamilton I'm super close with. And she brings up Cooley, like speaks super highly of those dudes, right? But he ended up going to TCU and playing with uh, Jamie Dixon, who does a phenomenal job. Um, he did a really good, he had a pretty good two years there with them. And then he's at Washington now with Mike Hopkins, who does a good job as well. Um, but, you know, different people, we had different connections. And then also Terrence Mann's mom, I think coached at Rhode Island, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Cause he's at from Rhode Island. Island right? Yeah. yeah. So, yep. So he ended up living in that area. And then obviously Bruce Brown. Um, and then I actually have a kid now that was at Alabama that's at Rhode Island now playing with Archie Miller. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just have these random ties there. <laughs> Somehow they circle back to Cooley. And again, like dudes just speak super highly of him, you know, so. Hey, coach, question for you. You know, you think about, college coaches are projecting where these kids are going to be in two, three years when they get onto uh, the college campus. Where do you see Garway and Drew? Like, are, is Drew going to be a stretch four ideally in the college game? Is Garway going to be like an off ball combo guard? Like wh- where do you see them, you know, their skills developing and projecting in the next well, two, three years? Like, college is starting to adapt more to yeah. the NBA game and the NBA is starting to adapt more to the international game. Right. It's becoming more of a world game, Um, you know, getting guys that are interchangeable on defense, interchangeable on offense. Right. If you look at a lot of successful teams, they play two point guards. Yeah. Right. So with Garway having that size and his ability to score and play make. He's a point, but in today's basketball, he can play on the ball, off the ball, whatever that may be. Right. Um, And I think that's what college coaches see in him and that makes him so valuable. Right, as opposed to just being one thing. When you talk about fielder, twos and threes, which are corner guys, floor spacers, they're pretty interchangeable. He can shoot it, he can play either, you know. Um, but it's natural position to four, right? Um, but he's a guy saying that's versatile, can switch ball screens, and he has a ton of versatility on offense. So I think he'll play mostly four, but I think with the way basketball is played, you know, you watch the Warriors, they play Kaminga at the five sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So guys will play small ball five, which he's not small, or they'll just play a pop five man that can space the floor, decision make, handoff, either roll, pop, you know what I'm saying, which he can do all those things. So I think he's a four, and I think that's what got, he's being recruited as, but I think today's basketball, he can go play four or five. You know what I'm saying? If you look at some of the guys in the league, you know, they do some interchangeable stuff as well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, think Garway point, but he'll play on and off. Fielder's a four, but he'll play, you know, two through five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough position if you're a defense, right? If you put a traditional five-man on him, he's going to stretch him out and he's going beat him, to beat him out on the perimeter. But if you put a three three man on him, your traditional three, he'll just body him in the post. So it's a good, it's a great problem to have if you're Drew. That made him super recruitable, right? Like guys are because usually when you get skilled guys, they're scared to they're allergic to the paint. Yeah. Then when you get guys that are physical, they can't pass dribble or shoot. 
Like he does both. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. I got awesome. one more question for you, coach. Um, can you give us any uh, inside info as to whether there's any other players on your squad that Ed's looking at? Yes, we have a kid that's about six eight, six nine. He's a wing. His name is Donovan Santoro. So he just official visited Washington State. He's going to official visit San Jose State this weekend. Um, Ole Miss is offered. Arizona State's offered. Creighton's offered. Uh, Washington's offered. Um, he's really a national sleeper. Uh, he was really, really, really good during the summer live period. And he kind of, his recruiting kind of sky, not skyrocketed, but trended upwards yep. for him. Um, so now he's a guy that's getting recruited by tons of power fives and some mid-major programs that do a good job. But he's, I mean, he could play anywhere in the country too, because he's six eight six nine. He can play two through four. He can guard one through four. And he can really shoot the basketball, you know. But he's the guy that uh, that they're starting to get involved with. So, thanks. Awesome, awesome stuff, uh, Coach. B- before you get out of here, um, when's the first game? And uh, are are you guys? Uh, I'm sure you're playing some pretty big programs. Are you guys going to be having any TV spots? Maybe we can catch Garway and Drew. Yeah. So we'll play. We'll play like last year. We played ESPN game in uh at the Norm Stewart in uh Missouri at Mizzou Arena. Um, that was in December, mid December. Uh, but ton of our games are live stream and stuff like that. We played a preseason game already. I think like a week or so ago against a pretty good team and our guys. I think we won by like twenty five thirty or so, and those guys did a really good job. Um. We'll play some preseason stuff all of October, you know, as early as uh, next Saturday. I think that's October 1. Um, and then our official season starts mid-November, I believe. Awesome. Well, I can, I can tell you for sure, Friartown's definitely pumped about having Drew and Garway uh, come to the program. And, again, I wish you uh, your team success and good health this season, and we really appreciate you taking the time today. Most definitely. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. All right, we're back to wrap this thing up here at the Province Crier Podcast. Great interview there with uh, Julius Von Hanslick, uh, coach of Southern Cal Academy, where Garway Duall and Drew Fielder um, are playing now and will be coming to Friartown next season. Awesome stuff, guys. I I thought he gave us some great insights. Yeah, I, I think the big thing is he gave us some tidbits on a guy that I wasn't even aware of that we were recruiting. That's fantastic news. Um, and also just everything that he talked about with Drew and Garway. One, it was sincere. You can tell he's very genuine. Two, you can tell he really cares about the kids, too, and wanting them to succeed. And also he has experience training professionals. So I think, you know, Drew, Garway, and Southern California Academy are in great hands with Coach Julius. So that was an awesome interview, and we appreciate his time. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great point. And I think it also, um, I think it also points out the fact that, uh, you know, Ed Cooley has now established, uh, if not a pipeline, at least really good connections with a, uh, a school out in Southern California that is just 
attracting and turning out tons of high-level P5 D1 players. And that can only bode well for the future um, of PC recruiting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you think about, you know, last year, um, I believe Jackson Kohler, I think his name is, was their big player. And he went to Michigan State. And now you look at the team now, they got Duall, they got Fielder, they got Miranda. I mean, I I feel like they're only going to get – and and talking to him too in the way that he talks about training and and having guys uh, be versatile and and, and, uh, pass dribble shoot. Yeah, he's only going to attract more and more uh, great talent. Well, if he's if he's training NBA guys, then you know that the players that he's sending to college are well prepared, mm-hmm. right? And are prepared to um, to play at a high level. I mean, you mentioned from last year that I mean, they had three top one hundred bigs right. who went to LSU, they went to Michigan State, they went to these major programs, and that's who Drew Fielder was competing against in practice last year, which is why he's so good this year. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just even more, if I wasn't excited enough for these two guys coming to province, I'm super excited now. So, yeah, we, um, we have to get them signed. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, that was another thing that, that came up. It sounds like they are all in on fire town. All right. You guys got any uh, last thoughts here before, as we close? No, great, great conversation. Wow. Great catching yeah. up on the commitments. Uh, seasons, seasons getting close boys. Just getting excited for the season. Yeah, same here. All right, so we'll be back uh, with another episode of the Province Crier podcast. Again, I am Mike Surratt, the Province Crier. Follow me on Twitter. That's at Province Crier. BOC, uh, follow him at BOC all day. Read the blog, theprovincecrier.com. Rich Corn, thanks again for coming on uh, and setting up this interview. That was that was awesome. And um, uh, follow Rich on, on Twitter as well. I don't think I mentioned that earlier, Rich. Sorry. But that's at Corn Richard. Um, See you later, Firetown. See you guys. See you later. Man up in my city on this roof, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, eh? Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh? Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh? Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh? I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And you see me bumping, so we gon' let them have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic. This year we taking over March Madness. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh. Cross over, I might throw the hell of you. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. Man up in my city, I'm the truth.